This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hello, world. Welcome to the Mile High Fi podcast. Mile High Bidet podcast? I need to tell you about that, Doug. I am, anyway, I am Carl Jensen with my co-host. I'm Tuck Cunnington. Doug, what is happening? Not too much, man. It's, it's starting to warm up here. The weather's good. It's been raining a lot here in Colorado, which is rare. But everything's green and nothing's flooding currently, knock on wood. Yeah, your yeah. basement is all dry. Yeah, good to go. We Luckily, in the new constructions, there's like um, some pumps like built in. And uh, I haven't checked in a couple of days, but yeah, it was like still bone dry in there, which okay. was interesting. Yeah. Do you have a sump in your place? Uh, we do not have a sump. Okay. They're, they're pretty obscure you? here in Colorado. You don't see many houses with them, but I guess yours is pretty new and it does have one, but you've never seen water in it? Mm-mm. Nope, none. Okay, well, so, that's good. Yeah. And um, well, you alluded to something that we've talked about for probably a year. So the bidet, yeah. tell us about it. It's exciting. So, Doug, I finally finished most of my uh, bath remodel. At least the toilet and the vanity is done. I still have to do the shower, which I'm going to punch until the fall. But I had to take the toilet out. I actually moved it and I took the opportunity to finally install the bidet. Have you ever used one, Doug? Or? No, I haven't. Okay. It is glorious. I am completely sold on it. Uh, one thing I didn't expect is there's a little bit of learning curve. Uh, you have to, sometimes you have to jiggle a little bit to get the water aimed at the right place. And you're still going to use some toilet paper. Do you remember the old Ronald Reagan quote, trust but verify? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it is with a bidet too. Like most of the time you're, you're pretty cleaned up, but you have to, um, well, you have to dry off anyway with the TP, but sometimes you haven't quite hit the bullseye, if you know what I mean. And sure. You got to have some backup there and that comes in the form of a little bit of toilet paper, but still my toilet paper usage is probably down 80%. That's great. <laughs> is the um, do you have a higher end uh, model where it heats the water and such? No, it's uh, it's the cheapest one you can buy. Uh, funny story, I I'd bought a little bit nicer one, and then I lost it in the remodeling, and I was so eager to just get my toilet in and get it in. As I I just went to Home Depot and bought the cheapest one they had on the shelf and put that one in. I think it was like twenty nine bucks. So it does none of that. It's got you can uh, do the back or front for the ladies, and it also has a pressure setting from like low pressure to like shoot you into space pressure. But it's cold, and I like the cold. It's kind of I get like a little Wim Hof experience. If y'all <laughs> know who that is, he's the guy who swims in like the Arctic Ocean in the middle of. Yeah, so I get that, but just on a very small part of my anatomy. Gotcha. That's your cold plunge that you do. It is like, only, okay. Yeah. You, um, oh, man, you said you lost the other one in the remodel. Did it break or is it like, did it disappear? Like, what does that mean? We had moved everything out of our bathroom to the basement so we could tear the, the bathroom apart. And I went down there to find it and I couldn't find it. And I'm pretty impatient. I was going to Home Depot anyway to get some shit. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to grab another one. And then of course, the next day I found it. So I will have two in my house. We could do like a, um. Not a taste test. That would be definitely the wrong <laughs> word for this, but yeah, we could have a live recording. You could be in one, I could be in the other, and then we could swap and we could have it sponsored by Taco Bell. We could do that the day before. So we have uh, plenty of material to work with. <laughs> it's going to be great. Might be a little echoey in there. We'll have to get some sound deadening material hanging up. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, just one of the many issues that we might run into. All right, so you recommend bidets. I do. I still cannot get Mindy to use it. It was pretty funny. She came in the bathroom this morning, right as I was about to turn it on. She's like, hey, I need to ask you a question. And then as she's saying that, I, I turn it on. And you hear the noise. It's pretty it's pretty aggressive, makes a lot of noise. And she's like, oh, geez, and just walks out and disgust, I think. <laughs> Have you tried the uh, lady setting just for to see what would happen? <laughs> I haven't. It's a it's a pretty good idea though. I'd probably uh, 
What, I, why, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, what do you think is going to happen? I, I guess I'd get my, uh, my, my beanbag washed. Sure. All but, right. <laughs> this went, um, is this a financial independence podcast or something different? I think so. But you know, Doug, that would probably be good if you have low sperm count due to like hot pants or whatever. You go in there and fire the cold water up and mm. psh, sperm count would probably go explode. Yeah. There has to be a better way to say that too. <laughs> We're not, uh, that's not medical advice. I think clearly. <laughs> so Medical advice, this podcast is no kind of advice. Okay. So today we are finishing up our series. How'd you like that transition, by the way? We're finishing up our series on how frugality makes it difficult for retirees to spend money. It's hard to shift gears. And if you haven't heard any of the other episodes, check them out. We had a blast doing it. And I kind of like the long, like the really long form sort of idea. I hope people like it. Otherwise, they're going to get like a month worth of content they don't like. This time though, we asked for feedback from our supporters over on Buy Me a Coffee. So we'll uh, talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, four people, you know, reached out. They had some thoughts on the matter. We, um, you know, abbreviated these and kind of paraphrased a couple things. And uh, speaking of buy me a coffee, I'll quickly mention we got a, a, a recent iTunes uh, Apple podcast review and we got a one star because oh. someone said that we talk about getting donations too much and uh, we don't even do it every episode and, uh, you know, we can't make everybody happy, but I'm just glad we got a review. Unfortunately, you know, that person... They don't, they don't like uh, us asking for money for some it, reason. If that person donated, then we wouldn't have to do it. And then they could give us a five-star because we won't be talking about it anymore. Right. And I think um, before too long, we'll, we'll do an episode, a little update with some of the stats and stuff like that. I think we're, we're at a point where we actually could like make a lot more money if we do advertising. But I don't know if we want to do that. Like uh, We have some other stuff to do, but I, I kind of like not being tethered to like any brand or like some brands may not like it if you spend about eight minutes talking about bidets and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm kind of curious the people who, the person who gave us that review, would they rather hear us asking for 30 seconds or a minute or would they rather hear, yeah, eight minutes of mattresses and pillows and what other kind of shit are people hawking for macadamia nuts i've heard that one on tim ferris oh yeah like athletic greens like oh yeah you need this like fucking hundred dollar a month uh subscription like that's crazy you know that's how much i think it's how much it costs really what is is that like a protein shake or what is it it's like uh this is not an ad by the way cl clearly and then we'll move on because we we got stuff to talk about but um yeah i think it's like uh powdered up grass basically it's, it's like veg it's your uh serving of fruits and vegetables and it has like micronutrients you can get cheaper stuff out there but like it has very strong branding and they have ads all over the place yeah. so there's a lot of money going to people running ads so powered up powdered up grass you are not selling it dog it sounds like it would keep you regular though if you have issues eat that <laughs> and poof yeah yeah i mean people seem to like it at least based on the ads that i hear so anyway, we did get a review. If you all out there want to counter the review, that would be fantastic. But let, let's go ahead and get started here, Carl. And this one's from Shane. I'm gonna we're gonna be reading these. Carl and I are not um, we're literate, but we're we're not strong readers. So we're gonna do our best. And please bear with us. Hi, gents. I'm 15 months post fire, and I'm pretty comfortable with spending, but. My high income job and savings rate might not be relatable for most. My advice for those in a similar situation is to gradually increase spending for travel and fun in the last few years pre-FI, which helps ease into the retirement spending habits. I spent 50% more than my budget in year one, and it was worth it. For those struggling with sudden lifestyle changes post-FI, it might be helpful to avoid scrutinizing every expense in the years leading up to early retirement. And there's some other some other details about some of the the health and fitness stuff that Carl and I often talk about. 
talking about uh, Peter Atia's latest book called Outlive, and he has a great podcast as well, and some other details about uh, fasting. So pretty cool stuff, and Shane, appreciate it. Now, Carl, I want to ask you about um, avoiding scrutinizing every expense in the years leading up to FI. I know, I think both of us are pretty conscious about like when we're, when we're spending, but yeah, what do, what do you think about that? Do you still scrutinize every expense? I have, <clears throat> excuse me, I have stopped doing it as much as I used to, but the one thing I still do, and we've talked about this many times, is, is, is if I go to the grocery store and there's 50 kinds of cheese that look the exact same, I do the little price browns thing. Sometimes I do spring for like Toma, a higher quality one, but for the most part, I've let go. Like I will buy food at the airport and uh, we just went to see a movie and we bought bought popcorn and that's something I would have never done five years ago. So for the most part, I have let it go. Nice. Yeah. Pretty much the same way. I mean, I try to not pay too much attention. Like we were out at a, a brewery last weekend called uh, Wild Provisions down there in Boulder. And it was kind of mid-afternoon. It was after our dance lesson. So we worked up an appetite. And they don't have food there, but you could order it in. And normally I'm like, ah, oh, you know, ordering it in, like their delivery fee, the tip, the other stuff, like it gets to be a little expensive. The thing is, we don't even eat out that often. So it's not like we're spending a huge amount on food generally. Um, but anyway, we were like, yeah, let's go ahead and get the food. So we're kind of you know, letting go a little bit and on a Friday afternoon, enjoying it. Okay, so nice. Yeah. I, I have an additional thought about what Shane had to say. And this is pretty timely because I had a friend leave me a message actually a couple of days ago. And it was like 10 minutes long. This was my best friend going up. Hey, Pete, if you're listening, I think he actually does listen, but he lives in the Midwest. And in his message, he said, yeah, I, I know you do a lot of road trips and I wish just one time you would have stopped and told me, like, told me what to do with money and how to save. And I wish I could have gotten my money together because not, now I don't and it might be too late. And I th think that's probably how most people are going to end up. We just don't learn about money. But on the flip side, I think, Doug, you and I are at a very different situation. And if I continue life uh, practicing my miserly ways, the regret I would have is not spending a little bit more when I was young. And I think that's the regret I have. And how fortunate are we to be able to say shit like that? So I think Shane has the right idea. I really liked how he said I spent 50% more than my budget in year one and it was worth it. I'd be curious to hear what exactly he spent the money on, if there were any big items or if it was just little stuff and um, why he thinks it was so worth it. Yeah, very cool. And I I agree, um, you know, just spending a little bit more. Of course, um, some people are on the kind of sprint mindset, 1,500-day target, for example. Um, but if you listen to the show, you probably know that we definitely encourage sort of a, a more, I guess, casual approach. Like, you don't have to rush to retire. If so, then you probably need to get another job or make some other changes. It's probably not the money. So if you can spend a little bit more, that'll probably be a really positive thing. In fact, in some projections that I've put together, it's like for the first five years after you know uh, retirement or uh, sabbatical or whatever you want to call it, to increase the, the spending by, yeah, like 30 to 50% because- Maybe we're going to travel more. Maybe we'll do more stuff. Maybe we'll do like more experiences while traveling, which can be pretty expensive. I mean, I think travel is one of those things where it's kind of an unlimited amount that you could spend on it if you if you're willing to splurge. So yeah, yeah. All right. Anything else on that one from Shane? Uh, real quick, yeah, I would just say along what you said, don't put off your happiness until you retire. And if there's something you could spend that would make you happy, it's better to work a little bit longer than to be miserly and wait for that thing at some future date that might never happen in the first place. And it's, it's such a it's such a balance because it's like you want to, especially early in your career when you're earning money, like it's probably easier for you to like keep the expenses low and get a really good foundation 
And then I feel like just tapering off might be sort of the ideal thing because, you know, you do a really good job the first few years, the compound interest really pays off and then you have to sort of adjust to being able to spend it a little bit. I think you just invented a new version of Phi, like front load Phi or some shit like that. It's kind of a variation on um, Coast Phi or Slow Phi, but yeah. Yeah. Quick, see if that URL is available. <laughs> What'd you say it was again? Front load Phi, maybe? Front like save a bunch initially and then let it up, let it okay. rip a little bit. and Nice. Yeah. Right. Okay. Our next one is from Darren and Jolene. And I think, yeah, they are in Belgium. Wow. Who knew we had listeners in Belgium? What what language do they speak there? I think uh, it's like French and uh, is Belgian? No, no. It's like Flemish and French, right? Okay. I, I have I no know. idea. I know they have good beer and good chocolate. Or- yeah. And th- this is Darren and Jolene. So I think they were just visiting. Like we met them at yes. Camp Fi, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And anyway, so they say, despite running the numbers and seeing that we should be financially fine, we still find it hard to spend due to uncertainties in our planning assumptions, like investment returns, inflation, and unexpected expenses. With a long retirement ahead, there's room for error. However, realizing we can make adjustments and find ways to earn money, if needed, has helped ease our concerns. Um so Jolene was initially worried about the technicalities of selling stocks and bonds, but she gained confidence after reading Big Earn and Retirement Manifesto's head-to-head strategies. And uh, yeah, it seems like they kind of answered their own question here. They say they were a bit worried about the uh, uh, about the uncertainty of the markets and inflation and all that. And that's always going to be the case unless you buy an annuity or are completely in cash, which some people do, there's always going to be some uncertainty, but that is just how the stock market works. And they went out to say that they uh, suppress some of their fears by realizing if they can just be a little bit flexible, uh, they're going to be okay. What, mm-hmm. what, what do you think about this, Doug? Yeah. And I think one... It's good that they, you know, they feel more comfortable. I know it's probably an ongoing struggle, but once you realize that you can be flexible and you know, shift spending, maybe you don't take the trip, maybe you put put the trip off until the market recovers or inflation is is uh, more comfortable. But one of the one of the big things here, which perhaps for me it it does sort of make things easier, but they talk about unexpected expenses. I can't remember if it was an episode in this series, but our expenses are going to shift. Whatever you assume they're going to be, it's going it's going to be different. Like things are going to change. You may end up moving. Maybe you weren't planning on moving, but you may end up moving. Maybe, you know, s- some unexpected thing happens. So 4% rule is great as a, you know, rule of thumb, but it's based on so many assumptions that are going to change that like it just gets you in the right area. And as long as you're flexible, you're going to be okay. Yeah. And people seem to be f- forget this is a drum I beat all the time is that the 4% rule is a worst case scenario. So if the market performs just horribly, 4% is what, y- what you can withdraw and still be okay. Still be okay is the key word. Most of the time, you're going to be able to take out a lot more than 4%. There's a Michael Kitsis article called Ratcheting Up, Ratcheting Up Your Spending which I'll link to in the show notes, but he makes a point that many people, especially after the first couple of years when sequence of returns risk is not going to be as big of an issue, you can actually spend a lot more than you had planned. And it's something like uh, like four and a half, five and a half percent, right? Sometimes six percent. Yeah, I think he, if I remember the article correct, he talks about some extreme cases where I think it was like eight percent you could potentially spend on. I think according to him, most people end up, if they follow the 4% rule and actually do just the 4%, after 30 years, they have like two or three times what they started with, which is pretty crazy. And I wonder, this could be interesting um, because like I'm saying, you don't know what your expenses are. The market could be um, different, inflation, blah, blah, blah. So I wonder if you you, you start conservatively and you you make it through whatever, 10 or 15 years. And then if you're at a certain point in 15 years, you're like, oh, we could like double our spending and then really blow it up. But while you're still young enough that you could like enjoy it, because at some point we're like, we don't want to fly 
that much or like travel all over the world. Um, any, any thoughts on that to just like have some arbitrary point where you're like, all right, this is a great checkpoint. Now all the math is different. Yeah, this is something I've thought a lot about in the past week because of conversations we've been having offline, Doug. And, and one thought I've had is I think you should assess different values to different points of your life. When you're between like 20 and 50, your body's going to be in great shape. Everything still works. When you're 70 or 80, a lot of shit's going to be broken. So I'd rather optimize for my younger years and spend a little bit more there and take a little risk than optimize for my older years. And it's kind of funny. I think a lot of people do the latter. They want to make sure they don't run out of money. But um, yeah, I guess I've come to the opposite feeling. I'd rather struggle a little bit when I'm old. Social security isn't going away. That's a common myth. We'll put a link in the show notes to a great Ben Car Carlson article. Uh, Social security is not, not going away. I'd rather take a little bit of risk when I'm young and have more fun while I'm in good shape than when I'm older. As far as a specific checkpoint, Doug, uh, that's a hard one. I mean, the thing what you could do while you're young too is if you do spend a little bit more, like I'm suggesting here and things go awry, you're still going to be able to go back to work if you think you're really going to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, it's hard to pick out a specific number. Everyone's a little bit different. Okay. So let's say... Let's play a hypothetical game here. So let's say you're um you're 70. All right. So that's like what, 22 years, something like that? Yeah. All right. Let's say you're 70 and you're like, you know what? I want to get a part-time job. Maybe you're a little bored or something. Um, and and you could use the money. So where would you work as a 70-year-old? A 70-year-old. Sure. I don't think I would want, like I, I did fast food when I was a teenager and that was um, quite possibly the worst job of my life. I think maybe what you did working in a national park, like how fun would that be? You're, you're in a beautiful setting or maybe even like Costco. It would have to be around fun people. I think that would be my qualification, like fun people in a fun environment. I don't know. How, how about you, Doug? I think maybe somewhere in the back office of a strip club, something like that, you know? No, nah, I'm not sure. I think the national park thing would be pretty, pretty fun. People are on vacation. You're in a beautiful location. You're working with, um, you know, there's a lot of like college age people, people that are traveling that, um, that are, you're working with and, you know, they're excited to do more stuff. So that would be a pretty fun thing. And there were Probably there were a handful of seniors that were retired that I did work with those couple summers and they would come back each year and like they kind of know the area and it was, I mean, I think they had a blast. I mean, they were coming back for several years. Yeah. So. What would be the worst job? What would you absolutely hate to do? Oh man, I gotta, I'll have to think about, I think, um, actually there's, there's, I got a good answer. So it would be like an old corporate job. So like the stuff that we used to do, like to go back and have to go through that. However, even now, if I worked a corporate job, I wouldn't give a fuck and it would be so much easier. They would be like, oh yeah, do this. And I would just be like, okay. I mean, I would do my work or whatever, but I would, I would definitely, I would definitely have a different outlook because you don't have to, like, I don't need the job. So it would just be like, all right, I don't, I don't care that much. So it would suck to have to do those old jobs again. However, I probably would have a much different outlook. Plus, you know, just the technology will be so different. We'll be the old guys. We're like, we don't know how to use this stuff. We're like, can't connect whatever, you know, uh, camera. We're like, we can't get our camera to work. And they're like, Carl, are you in the bathroom? Is that the bidet again? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. What, what's the worst job? <laughs> I'm sure you <laughs> Hopefully, we just become masters of like ChatGPT so we could train that to do all of our work, even if we're old and senile. Like, um, Yeah, I, I think my worst one, I was talking to Jeff, a mutual friend of ours, and I think when he was in college or maybe shortly after, he had, for a week, a job going door-to-door -door selling vacuum cleaners. I guess he never got past the training part. He just quit, but the guy who, who he was working with, <laughs> the guy's strategy would be he would knock on the door 
And when someone opened the door, he would have a cup of dirt and like throw it in their house. <laughs> oh, that's shitty. Yeah, I know. It's just unprovoked. And they'd say, hold on, I've got a vacuum. I'm going to clean it up and show you how well this works. Can you imagine if someone did that? Like, what? What the hell is going on here? Um, no. Well, and the thing is, we have like a ring device, so like we can see. So if I see anyone with like holding a vacuum cleaner, I'm like, opening that. Are you crazy? That's pretty funny. All right. What's next here? Okay. This is my turn. This is from Anonymous. So it's important to have a good understanding of your expenses to cover basic needs plus additional expenses to live a fulfilled life plus flexibility to reduce spending or generate additional income if investments don't behave. I like the idea of creating a bond ladder to cover expenses for X number of years. If the market tanks early in retirement, you can continue living as planned with less worry Plus, you don't need to draw from equities at low levels, allowing them time to rebound and grow. So we haven't talked about like a bond ladder in quite a long time. Are you able to explain what that is real quick? Yes, I did look this up. Uh, Doug, I'm happy to say I actually did preparation for this show, which is, it might be the first time ever. How long have we been at it for? Two, two and a half years? Two two years. You showed up early too, man. What's going on? I'm a whole new man, Doug. (laughs) Uh, We could talk about that later. So a bond ladder is when you buy bonds, and you could do this with CDs too. People talk about CD ladders where you buy them with different expiration dates. So you might buy one that comes up every three months. And then when that thing comes up, you use the proceeds from that to fund your spending. Cool. Okay. And it can uh, essentially sort of act as a, a ballast or like buffer from poor return sequences, right? Yeah. Bonds are safe. So you're not going to have to deal with the volatility of the stock market. It's a just about guaranteed return. I think in most cases, I am not a bond expert. Okay. Yeah. And do you do you have anything in uh, bonds right now? Or are you all uh, equities and stocks? Yeah. I have never owned a bond in my entire life, except for a savings bond, which family members used to buy me as kids. Funny enough, I still have one. I think it came due like a, a month ago or came to the point where I can redeem it. Oh, wow. But no bonds in the terms of what people, what worth talking about here. Like. Sure. Okay. H- how about you? Um, I, you know, I have like, uh, like the bond index fund, uh, pretty small amount. I want to say it's probably five to 10%, something like that. Sure. I don't know. Just a little bit. There. Okay. Not too much. You think that's a good idea or bad? I do think it's a good idea for most people. We don't have any because we oversaved so we could withstand volatility. But if I had less money, I think I would definitely have the bonds and I would rebalance it. And what I mean by that is if I wanted my bond allocation to be 10% versus 90% stocks and at the end of the year, it's 15 to 85, I would get it back to a 1090 because then you're buying the, mm-hmm. the, the bonds at a better price and, um, yeah, re- rebalancing. Look it up. I did not explain it eloquently there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense though. Okay, cool. Nice. Well, um, before we finish up with the, uh, actually our friend Mark from Mark's Money Mind, he has a comment here, but um, you said you're a whole new person. Do you want to talk about that now? Is it just from the bidet or is there something else too? It is. It's probably 1.5% the bidet, 98.5% other stuff. So Doug, we have finished up all the work on our other house. It has been rented for a month, exactly a month as of yesterday. And we also finished up almost everything on our other house. I finished putting all my tools in storage yesterday. Uh, we still have stuff to do, but we're going to punt that till the fall and probably 98% of the work is there. I have one more bathroom to remodel, but it's a superficial remodel, no moving toilets and installing bidets and all that. So it feels really good. I feel, uh, Doug, I've kept myself extremely busy. So especially lately, we've just been working super hard, probably 80 hours a week between getting this house ready and getting some of this other shit done and preparing for people to visit. So I, I have unlimited energy and now I have to refocus this energy in other ways. So I actually read through our preparation for at least an hour and I'm, I'm going to go to the gym afterwards. So it feels really good. Uh, it feels really good to not have to be uh, tied to the stupid carpentry work and housework. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. And I was going to say, I, see, I saw you at Lowe's this morning, like on the walk. So like, yeah, you're uh, you're there all the time, um, although it's coming to an end, of course, but that's great, man. 
Yeah. And that was only because we've had a bunch of rain and I had a downspout that was dumping next to our foundation. Rain usually isn't an issue here. We had an ant armada invade our house yesterday. And I think that's because of all the water around the foundation. But yeah, so I just have to install a downspout. But I see you all the time at those. I feel like we're there all the time. And uh, we should do a live recording from there, maybe from like the, the screw section or something. Yeah. Well, they have all the, uh, they have like the outdoor furniture and stuff. So we could actually like sit down and like we could work there. Yeah. Actually, um, you are going to take some time off, but we're going to be working on a, a project. And we alluded to it, I think, in the first episode of this series. But you want to kind of talk about it a little bit more? Yeah, we're writing a book. Uh, so I guess I'll back up a second before I get into the book. But I've had a very hard time stopping work. I stopped. I actually quit my formal job in April of 2017. So that's shit. That's like six years and a month ago. But I haven't really slowed down at all, and uh, I'm not exactly sure why that is. Maybe a little bit of insecurity, maybe fear of being bored, uh, purpose, and all that kind of shit. But for those who struggle with this kind of stuff, and for those who need to find themselves after retirement, which is probably one of the top questions we get, I know we're going to get to one of those questions in our next recording, is what do you do with with yourself after you quit your job? Because the whole issue with a lot of these early retirees, Doug, is if you accumulate enough money by the time you're 40, which a lot of these people do, they'll be like, I've got two million bucks, I had this and this job, and I worked all this, but I don't like it anymore. But what do you do with yourself after that, and how do you turn all that off? It's been pretty difficult for me, so I think I'm probably the, I'm not an expert on much, Doug, probably pretty much nothing. But I think I, I do have a lot to say about how to be lazy. And um, you've alluded to, well, I don't think you're lazy. You've alluded to your, uh, how would you describe it, Doug? Lack of. Oh. Uh, I, I don't think you're a lazy person, but I think you may have called yourself lazy before. Yeah. I think, yeah, there's different pieces. I, I'm not afraid to work and I don't have a huge amount of ambition. So I had to turn that down there was some portion where i was like ah, i really want to you know accomplish whatever but now i've really turned that down um somewhat i mean it's kind of some of it's just pointless and i realize that now but i really like i'm starting i realized that i should appreciate the time off and like force myself to like not accomplish things because i think that's one of the things like you and i have and maybe a bunch of other of our friends where it's like, we want to be productive. We want to produce stuff. And I don't know if you picked up the book that I recommended to you the other day, Do Nothing. I did. I got it from the library last night, actually. So that's a pretty good, pretty good book. And there's certain sections. And part of it is like, we, you know, we grew up in America. We have like this, um, you know, middle class, lower middle class families, like work hard, like save, like you know, keep working hard. Like that was one of the, um, you know, big things that my family and like whatever the culture is telling us, like work hard, go to college, like work, you know, do more for your company, blah, blah, blah. So it's like really ingrained to do more work and be productive. So if you're not productive and for example, I'm playing guitar and um, I'm not even that good at it but I'm spending time doing it. It's working my brain. Like there's some positive stuff, but it's, li it's literally one of the least productive things I could do because um, it's like producing nothing. It's just gone. And it seems like a real waste, but I'm like, I'm like, I want to do more of that. So I think um, at this point I'm just rambling on, but I, I really struggle with it because we were supposed to be productive. So I have to force myself to not be productive and do things that, literally do not produce anything just because I'm so in, I'm so ingrained to like do something, you know? Do yeah. Something. You just gave me a good idea for yet another chapter for our book. So our book, which will be out, we hate to say any deadline because the book is anti-productivity. It's going to be about how to be lazy and we're, we're trying to be lazy. So it might take us a little while to produce this, although we've had a couple meetings, but yeah, we are writing a book, and if you see us this summer at Camp Fi or at FinTox or something like that, you might even hear us talking a little bit more about it. So, yeah, How to Be Lazy is the tentative working title, maybe? Yeah, 
Yeah, you have a good like subtitle too. So we won't share that, but yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Um yeah, and we'll um we'll actually put some time into it, even though it sounds silly, but we want to make sure you get some time off, you got some vacation, you got some travel. So I think you're gonna unplug pretty well then. Um but yeah, I think it's gonna be fun, fun to write. And I know it sounds stupid, but we'll there's actually like there's several books on like the anti-productivity movement and i mean i I have a ton of productivity books so like i definitely went off the deep end in that area now i've like pulled back and i'm like oh how can i intentionally like force myself to take days off to go away from the computer and all that stuff ironically to write the book will be (laughs) on computers but you get the idea it's going to be fun though Doug. we might have a retreat in the mountains where we go right and buy one of those fancy uh, hoodies that you're always talking about. It's going to be great. Maybe I don't allow myself to wear it till the first draft of the book is done, though. We'll have to, we'll have to think about that. Okay. Or, yeah. Wait, are we going to get matching ones or will they be different? If we get matching ones, that might be kind of weird if we're wearing them at the same time. Yeah, I think that's the idea. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think it'll be weird, too. But, uh, yeah, we can get matching ones. So. All right. Do you want to read the uh, last one here from our buddy, Mark, who is yeah. on the show? So we'll link up to that episode with him. Yeah, Mark's great. I'm actually going to see him in a little less than a month, which uh, will be awesome. I'm going to see him in his native habitat in the mountains of Colorado. Anyway, Mark says, I experienced the same difficulty transitioning from the accumulation phase to the distribution phase in retirement. I think I've mentioned the fun bucket concept before where you set aside an amount from your portfolio to spend on things you usually feel uncomfortable about. I mostly use the fun bucket for experiences with friends, like activities. Uh, I should put my reading glasses on, dog. I, I can't see shit. Uh, like activities, nice hotels, or upgraded flights. It's been liberating and has helped me overcome my frugality mindset. So this is the first time I've heard about the f- fun bucket. And uh, I didn't listen to when you interviewed him. Is this, did you talk about that on your episode or? Yeah. And we had some off the record conversations or off offline conversations too. And essentially he moved some money aside, some X amount and was like, this is a fun bucket for whatever, say three years, five years, whatever. And he was like, I could spend that on whatever I want. And I if I understood correctly, it was things that he normally would have not spent the money on, like upgrading flights or, you know, nicer hotel, like perfect examples. And if he had the opportunity to, you know, splurge for a more luxurious experience or whatever, he would go for it. And it kind of, it it took the pressure off because he was going to be fine with all the other money, right? So he would be able to live off his investments. Everything was good over there. The fun bucket would, could literally just disappear and it would be fine. So it kind of took the pressure off and he had like X amount to spend. And I think he mentioned to me, like, I thought I was going to blow through it much faster or whatever. And he was like, after I'm making up some details, but after 18 months, he'd only used like say 10% of it or something like that. And he could have used up to whatever, 30%. Like he could have used way more, but he was he was still trying to figure out how to utilize that stuff. Yeah. Nice. Do you have a fun bucket yourself or what do you think about this concept? Two-part question. I think it's great. Um, we have implemented a fun uh, budget. So I think we talked recently how we're trying to you know, use a budget and kind of stick to it and that sort of thing. So, um, ironic, ironically, I don't have this, uh, frugality issue. So, uh, if, if I didn't have a fun bucket, it'd be fine. I would, I would just like buy a guitar and be like, Hey, it's cool. This is fun. Um, I could probably sell it. Like I could enjoy it for a little while. Everything's good. Or if it's an experience, I'm like, Hey, this is great. So, um, the fun bucket isn't really necessary for me, but it helps Elizabeth, I think. Um, so we have put that in and, it's fairly new. You know, I think we're only maybe six months into having a fun bucket, maybe, maybe less than that. But it is nice because then it's like you literally can blow it on, you know, whatever you think is fun. Yeah. So do you have any concept like that? Or? 
You know, I'm not sure that this interview will air. I think it probably will, but Mitty and I actually talked to Ramit Sadie a while ago, and one of the things that came up is um, we were talking about how Mindy and I oversaved, so we have a lot more money than we need. And one of the things that came up is I could take my family on a cruise and it would cost like 10,000 bucks, probably at least. And I'm talking about extended family too. We're not going on some super fancy high-end one. We're going on a cheaper one, but there will be more people there, uh, which I think will be great. And I, I mentioned that I was hesitant to spend that kind of money, but then I thought, and we work very hard, so we have more money than we need, but our fun bucket, we could probably buy like $110,000 vacations and be okay. So like a million dollar fun bucket, which is a like a supersized fun bucket. I, I do like the concept of this because a lot of people are afraid to spend money. So I would suggest if you are, do exactly this, save up, get to your 4% withdrawal rate, and then work for another six months and put all that money into your fun bucket and maybe refill the fun bucket every year, depending on how much excess you have. And I like this concept. And another thing I'll say about this is one thing that helped me is uh, getting uncomfortable with spending. Like I told you, I bought the concert. It, it was pretty hard to do. Like I bought this private concert for, for 10,000 bucks. I'll link to that in the show notes. It's going to happen in August. And it was deeply uncomfortable putting in my credit card number and hitting submit. But after I did it, I felt really good about it. So I think people should, if they really think something is going to make them happy, they should go ahead and do it, even if it maybe turns their stomach a little bit. It's hard to turn off the decades of programming, right? Because if you if you saved all the money, you probably worked really hard for it and uh, were probably frugal. So it's hard to turn that off and turn on the spending. But I think once you do, if you spend it on the right stuff, you'll find it makes you happy and it's rewarding and you won't regret it. Mm. And we gave the disclaimer on other episodes, but we are certainly talking to people that are post five for especially the statement that you just made where you're like, if you think something will make you happy, do it. So that's a, sounds like advice to go do drugs and, you know, just waste money. But that's not what you're talking about. It's like after you've accumulated, I mean, your situation is a perfect example. It's like you've, you were so programmed to save you're like trying to pull out of that so that you could actually like spend some of the money and feel good about it. Um, so it's, it's a very, it's a small subset of people who are lucky like us and we're, we're trying to figure out how to navigate it. And the thing is, there's a lot of people in the community, like a lot of our conversations at retreats are around this because a lot of people are post five and they're trying to figure out what to do with their lives. They had a lot of years ahead of them and they're like, yeah, it's hard to, I don't know what to spend money on. Like I forgot, I forgot what to do. So yeah. yeah. All right. Well, as we're uh, wrapping up here, is there anything? So you, you mentioned you got the concert. So that was kind of a stretch for you, the cruise. So that's coming up like next summer. Is there anything else like you're thinking like, hey, this would also make me a little uncomfortable or I'm not sure about spending this amount of money to do X? Yeah, there's one other crazy thing which we will do early in 2024 and that is we are going to replace one of our cars with a Tesla. So we'll sell or probably just give away maybe to someone who could use a car. Our, I call it the minivan. It is a Mazda 5 six-seater micro minivan, um, which sounds redundant, but Google it and you'll see what I'm talking about. So we are going to buy a Model Y like Pete, Mr. Money Mustache just did early in 2024. And then we are going to take it on a cross-country road trip. And when the girls get out of school, the following the following summer, so that'll be pretty weird. I've had one luxury car in my life, which was the fancy Acura NSX sports car. But that one I knew as long as we didn't do anything stupid, we could get the same or more amount of money when we sold it, which is, which is exactly what happened. This will not be like that. It'll be a depreciating asset. What did I say? It's a depreciating asset. So that will be a little bit harder to buy, but I don't know. I'm getting comfortable with the whole spending thing. And as you said, in reason, Doug, don't be still don't be stupid with your money. Err on the side of safety. And uh, yeah. if you're going to spend it on cocaine and hookers, that's the wrong idea. Unless that's what you want to do. We're not here to judge. I mean, I don't care what you spend your money on. Just make sure it fits in your plan and your budget. But um, yeah. 
keep it uh, under control. A uh, quick question. So, yeah, Pete, um, we actually rode with him to, uh, you dropped him off. So we were with him when he picked up his car. Hopefully it's okay that we said that. Yeah. Um, th- is um, the, he got the car, we checked it out. After you were in there, does that make you even more excited to get it? Does that encourage you to do? I know you were planning on it anyway, but now are you like, I'm really pumped to get this. Why? Uh, yes, I am, but probably not because of the experience of picking it up. So Doug and I drove him up to the Tesla dealership to pick the thing up, and then he drove it home. But I, I followed up with him a couple of days later asking him about how he liked the car. And he said he liked it even more than he thought he did. I, I've test driven this in the earlier iterations of it. We had pretty rough suspension, very sporty, but maybe not what you want in a family car. And they've softened that up a little bit. And he said the the UI was a little bit clunky. You know, you can configure that and do some other things with that that makes the car a little bit more easier to live with. So, yeah, I am pretty excited. It, it's so weird. We've got the Bolt now and just having that is uh, having a car built in 2023 versus our next oldest car is 2010. It feels like you're driving something from the future. It's it's yeah. pretty weird. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. Yeah, both of them are super nice. And like you said, if you're driving something old, even just riding in the Bolt is um, pretty luxurious for me. Yeah. Our, our minivan, I don't know what happened, but I think one of the kids spilled water. You go in there and it smells like a, uh, a gym or like socks or something. So maybe we'll get rid of that car sooner than we thought. But. Okay. I'll have to pay someone to actually take it now <laughs> or set it on fire. No, I'm not going to do that. All right. Well, this is good. I think we're all done. Any final thoughts here, Carl? Um, Get a bidet. Maybe uh, we told, we said no commercials, but if, uh, if a bidet company wanted to sponsor us, maybe we would reconsider. It seems like it would flow <laughs> with our message. It would. And we'd be like, uh, we're, we're not just uh, spokespeople. We're also clients, you know, that sort of thing, like the hair club for men. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do. Cy Sperling, right? I didn't know his name. Yeah, yeah, that was the guy's name. I remember that at the end of the commercial. I'm not only uh, the owner, I'm a client. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's- clean backsides for everyone. Everyone deserves a clean ass. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the Balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using, and that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. Carl, there's a good chance that I'm going to join the rec center, the gym here coming up before too long. And I've been a handful of times and it's often crowded in there. And I, I think you figured out a good time to go where it's not too crowded. If you want to share that, that means people might stock you in there if they know that you're in there at that time, but it seems like a safe place. It might happen. I do have a couple stalkers, but I have gotten them banned from the gym and they are no longer allowed. So I feel it's a safe place for me. But yeah, I have a couple thoughts on the gym, Doug. Number one, actually three thoughts. Number one is the New Year's resolutionists have now left. So it's probably about half as busy as it was even two months ago. There's, I went there and I had no trouble getting on any machine except for once. There was some guy. You ever see people who just like sit at the machine and don't get off like between their sets and they're looking at their phone? I see myself in the mirror every time I go to the gym. Yeah. Oh, fuck you, Doug. That annoys the shit out of me. If you do that. 
I'm going to have to report you as a stalker. There's this Doug guy who keeps on. No, no, I, I will not do that. But number two, a little bit later in the morning, like 10 or 11, something like that, is a great time to go. And number three, probably the hottest sport at the Longmont Rec Center is pickleball. And those are people in a age group a little bit older than us. It's big with the seniors, but maybe we go, we learn pickleball, we'll hire a coach, and then we can go hustle. Like we'll do real shitty the first game and yeah. we'll be like, how about some money on the second game? And then like you see in the movies, we'll be pickleball hustlers. That's a great idea. Those old people have money. I actually know a coach, uh, one of Elizabeth's coworkers' husbands. Like he, uh, I think he retired, like he, I think he got laid off, but then he like didn't go back to work. He's a few years older than us, but um, yeah, he's a pickleball coach. So we literally could, could do that. That's awesome. I have another idea for a sport called asparagus ball, but we'll get to that on a future episode. Have you ever played pickleball before? I think maybe I, I hit the ball a couple times, but um, yeah, I, funny enough, I have been, a, I've had the opportunity twice to play pickleball. But I think I had like flip flops on and it was like outside on like, um, it was like on a, in a neighborhood in a cul-de-sac. So I was like, this is a recipe for me to like hurt myself. Now that I'm older, I don't want to hurt myself. I'm like, you know what? This is not worth it for me to like fuck around and play pickleball with like old people. So it's, how embarrassing would that be too? It's like some senior citizens beat me. Somehow I like fell, twisted my ankle. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Slow motion, you're like, and they're like jumping up in victory. It's like, that's how I uh, rupture my Achilles is playing pickleball for like five minutes. Have you played? I have not, but I run around the gym and they play. So the gym is on the second floor to set the scene and the courts are like on a lower floor. So I I watch them as I'm running and some of those old dudes are super good, man. They they go at it. They're, Mm. They're in it to win it. So we better be careful. They might hustle us. Yeah, that's what, that's what it sounds like. And uh, yeah, I have been playing a little, I've been shooting some hoops down there. Elizabeth and I will goof around, but even that, like I'm, I'm like very cautious to run around too hard. I sound like, I mean, I really want to get the Achilles under control, but I'm not 100% sure what to do. Our friend Jake, he gave me like another thing to like, you know, roll, roll out. He has the same sort of issue as I do, except he runs much faster. <laughs> He's probably fast. Um, yeah, yeah. So good chance I'm going to be going to the gym. One, one, uh, last question. So mid morning's pretty good. How's like very early morning? Like they open at five, right? No, they changed that. I don't think they open until seven, which is quite annoying. I, I woke up at five 30 the other day and I was all set to go at six and I happened to look it up and nope, it didn't open until seven. And I think that's the, it might open a little bit earlier during the week, but yeah, whenever I've been there early, you get there and there's a crowd outside. I guess it's not that bad. Probably an hour after opening and the next two hours after that are probably the busy time. Okay. So mid-morning. That's pretty good for me too because I like to do a little bit of work and then take a break and work out. So that that works pretty well. The You know, the early morning would be a great time to do the sauna also, like do a quick workout sauna at like 6 a.m. or whatever. But if they don't open till 7, I'll have to rethink that. All right. We could keep talking about that for like a whole episode, but we got to cut it. 